As those who belong to a sovereign God who is perfectly just and merciful, we too should seek to extend justice and mercy to others. Welcome to the Radical with David Platt podcast, the latest sermons from teacher, author, and pastor David Platt delivered weekly. As always, you can find today's sermon plus thousands of more free resources over at our website, Radical.net. And as many of you know, yesterday was National Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, whereby we mourn the millions of lives cut short and the tremendous promise lost as a result of abortion. And this past Friday was the annual March for Life in Washington, D.C., It was estimated that nearly 400,000 people gathered to march throughout the National Mall grounds to stand up for the unborn. And in this sermon from Psalm 82, David Platt urges us to pray in light of the injustice around us and to make certain that we address the world's greatest need, its spiritual need, by sharing the gospel. The realities of abortion, racism, and the persecution of Christians around the world should drive us to plead for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So here's David Platt with a sermon titled Praying Together for Justice from Psalm 82. If you have a Bible, and I hope you or somebody around you does that you can look on with, let me invite you to open with me to Psalm chapter 82. Psalms chapter 82, right in the middle of the Bible. As you're turning there, I want to greet those of you in Prince William and Loudoun and Montgomery County and Main Avenue and different microsites around Washington. It's good to be together around God's Word. Before we dive into the Word today, and we're going to spend some concentrated time in prayer, I want us to pray for a particular group within our church. Um, This was not planned, but uh, government shutdown last into January 20th was obviously not planned either. And I know there are many people across our church and at other campuses, uh, yeah, all of our campuses, who are affected by that shutdown uh, directly with a variety of different challenges. And I just want you to know if you are in that position that uh, we are your family and you are not alone in that. And uh, I want us to just pray for you. We have, we have different avenues set up at all of our campuses for just helping individuals and families when we face particular critical needs, uh, starting with going to the people you know best in the church and asking for help. Like, this is what the church does. So please don't be afraid to or hesitant to uh, go to brothers and sisters in Christ and a group you're a part of or you know or to one of your pastors just to say, hey, we're, we're, we're struggling in this way. And uh, so that is always available when we, when we walk through uh, particular needs, but uh, especially those who are walking through this right now, I want us to have some time where we just pray for you. So if you would be willing, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand here and at other campuses if you or your family are currently being directly affected by the government shutdown. So if this is affecting your workability and or your paycheck in some way. Uh, realizing that doesn't affect everyone in the same way. Some are obviously more critically affected than others. Uh, so you might think, well, I don't know if I should stand. It's not as affected me as, as bad as it is this person over here. I would say regardless, if this is affecting your workability and or your paycheck uh, directly in some way, then I want to ask you to stand and for us just to have an opportunity to gather around and pray specifically for you. So is that all right? If you, if you, thanks, Marissa. Uh, so Marissa says here, Tyson's okay, so we're going to do it across campuses. So your word spoke. Uh, so, uh, so if, if you fall into that, that bucket, if your workability and or paycheck are affected by this government shutdown, would you just stand where you are uh, here and at other campuses, and we just want to pray specifically for you. And, and I would ask not just individuals, but families. So it's not just one person that's affected, it's a family that's affected. Uh, so... Uh, So if individuals, uh, couples, families here, again, I I hope uh, this is happening at all of our campuses right now. Um, All right, you see folks standing. Why don't the rest of us now just stand? And if you're near one of these folks, just gather around, put a hand on their shoulder. uh, And uh, and I want to lead us in prayer for uh, these brothers and sisters. Okay. 
Oh God, we, uh, we praise you for being a refuge and strength and ever-present help in the midst of whatever happens in this world. So we are just so thankful, oh God, that when our government shuts down, that you as our God never shut down. And you are always on your throne, always ruling, always reigning, and we can be sure of that tomorrow, and we can sure, be sure of that next year, and 10 trillion years from now, you will still be reigning. You are the constant king, and we put all our trust in you. And so we pray on behalf of these whose work and or paycheck is affected by the current struggles in our country. God, we, we pray for relief from those struggles. We pray for uh, wisdom, grace, unity for the leaders of our country to come to conclusions to restore our government to, uh, to its working self. God, we pray for that. I pray for your common grace in them. And God, we pray for your provision for these brothers and sisters specifically. And I don't presume to know the uh, different challenges that are represented in this room, but you do. Different challenges represented at different campuses, but you do. So God, we pray for your physical provision, for your financial provision, for emotional provision, just in every way, oh God, please show yourself as the provider of those in need. As reading in Proverbs this week, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. So we praise you for your strength. We pray that you'd show it on behalf of your people and through your people. Help us to be the church to one another at all times and particularly in this circumstance and not just to one another. God, we pray that you would make us sensitive to people all across our city who are walking through some struggles right now, who may not know Christ, may not have a church family. God, we pray that you would use us as salt and light, that we would be uh, yeah, a, a demonstration of your love and your care for others in our city as we walk through this time. So we want your name to be hallowed across Washington, D.C. And so we pray that you would use us as a church in the way we care for one another and the way we care for those around us in the middle of this to cause your name to be known as good and gracious and loving and glorious. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Thank you. That time we're actually gonna be spending a good bit of time today during our gathering in prayer. Um, so thank you to those of you who uh, were a part of all night prayer a couple weeks ago. It was awesome, and I look forward to uh, doing more similar things in the days ahead, um, and, and not just on gatherings like that, but in our worship gatherings, I, I just want us to grow in our praying, and not just in our worship gatherings, in our personal life. We talked a couple of weeks ago about how the most important thing in your life is not your spouse, it's not your children. It's not your job, it's not your finances, and it's not your health. The most important thing in your life is your personal intimacy with God. Everything flows from that. Husbands, the greatest need your wife has from you is your personal intimacy with God. And wives, vice versa. Parents, your kids, more than they need you to put food on the table this week, more than they need you to take them to school or get them to this sport or that activity, they need your personal intimacy with God. The most important thing in all of our lives is our personal intimacy with God. So I want, I want to grow in this way in my own life, just in, through prayer and, and to help shepherd us toward that end individually and together. So we're going to do something a little different today, and we're gonna spend concentrated time not just studying the word, but praying the word. So we talked at uh, the prayer gathering how John 15, seven makes clear, if you abide in me, Jesus said, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. So the key in that sense to prayer is the word of God driving it. 
So letting God's word drive our, our praying. So we're going to do that today with Psalm 82. We're going to let this psalm in God's word drive us to pray, particularly in light of injustice around us in the world. So this is a prayer, Psalm 82, for justice and mercy in the middle of injustice and evil. And as we were coming to this Sunday in particular, knowing some things going on around this Sunday, so this last week, uh, trust many of you know, was the March for Life in our city. My family and I were down there with 100,000 others or however many, and our, our church hosted a conference uh, Wednesday night through Friday about what it means to be for life for all. So we've got that going on in our city this week. Also, we know, obviously, tomorrow is Martin Luther, Luther King Jr. Day, where we pause as a country to remember the dignity of every life, regardless of color or background. We recognize the need for racial harmony and unity in our country, particularly in light of our past, and in ways that as much as we would like it not to be so, carry into our present. And then one more thing that happened this week you may not be aware of, but Open Doors, who we have partnered together with in supporting the persecuted church around the world, was in town this last week, their president and a variety of uh, persecuted brothers and sisters from different places to release the Open Doors World Watch List, which is basically a, a list of the countries where persecution is the fiercest of our brothers and sisters around the world. So when we were looking at this Sunday, we said, I think in light of what's going on, in our world, injustice, evil, sin, for us to set aside some time to pray. So what I wanna do is I wanna read Psalm 82 and let it lead us to pray. So we're gonna go, if you've got the bulletin you received when you came in, there's some notes on the back, we're gonna go pretty quick through that to leave as much as possible as time, as much time as possible for us to pray, not just talk about the word, but like do it. So Psalm 82, the Bible says, God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods, sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. All right, so let me show you in this psalm briefly who God is and what we do in response to who God is in a world of injustice. That's the background behind the psalm. So follow with me. We're going to go through this pretty quick. One, who God is, three attributes of God. He is the sovereign king over all. Our God, the God we're gathered to worship today, is the sovereign king over all. One of the things that makes this psalm difficult to understand is confusion over the little g gods, who, who they are in this passage. And there's two main possibilities. Some believe that's a reference to demons and evil spirits. Others believe that these gods are human judges and rulers in the world who are promoting injustice in the world. In John chapter 10, Jesus actually quotes from Psalm 82, and he refers to the judges of Israel as the one whom God called little g gods here. So leaders who God had put in place to represent his justice in the world. So regardless of how you understand that, though, the point is clear. There is one capital G, God, and he reigns over everyone and everything, over all men, all women. He reigns over all rulers, all leaders, all judges in the world, and all principalities, powers, including the devil and demons who influence men and women and rulers and leaders. God reigns over all of them. He's the sovereign king over all. Second attribute of God, he's the good judge of all. So the gods or judges in the world referenced here in verse two are not good. They are unjust and with their injustice, you just look at verse three and four, they are oppressing the weak and the fatherless. They are not maintaining the rights of the afflicted and the destitute. They're giving the weak over into the hands of the wicked. And the result is, into verse five, all the foundations of the earth are shaken. Follow this, this is huge. 
when the justice of God is not reflected in the judges and rulers and leaders and presidents and prime ministers and politicians of this world, the result is a shaking of the earth's foundations and a spreading of evil. This is what happens when sinful judges or rulers, officials, prime ministers, presidents, on the earth turn away from the good judge overall. God help us. May we be warned as a church and in our country and in this world, it is never good to turn away from the good judge overall. The fabric and foundations of lives and families and nations crumble and the effects are devastating when we turn away from the good judge overall, particularly devastating for the poor and the weak and the needy, the afflicted, the fatherless and the destitute. Injustice abounds when we rebel against the good judge of all. Thankfully, however, third attribute, God is also the merciful savior for all. So see in the psalm a picture of God's mercy and a world of injustice. He loves the weak and the fatherless. He cares for the afflicted and the destitute. He rescues the weak and the needy. So when judges and rulers and leaders don't rule and lead and judge according to the good judgment and rule and leadership of God, the result is a lost world with walking about in darkness with no foundation to stand on and in the middle of that world, God is merciful and he desires to bring, look at the words, rescue and deliverance and justice, which leads right to the last verse as the psalmist prays, arise, O God, judge the earth for you shall inherit the nations. So this is what we must do. When we see who God is, what do we do in a world of injustice and a world of abortion and racism and persecution and all kinds of other evil and injustice? We plead for God's justice to reign. We plead, we pray. That's what the psalmist does. Arise, O God, and judge the earth. We ask God to show his good justice, judgment, to stop injustice, to show his justice. And then the psalmist prays, second half of verse eight, for you shall inherit all the nations, exclamation point. So we plead for God's justice to reign and we anticipate God's kingdom to come. Think about it, this is exactly what we saw two weeks ago when we were looking at Matthew chapter six. Jesus taught us to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your what? Your kingdom come, your will be done, your just will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We ask God to judge and we anticipate God to come, to come and establish ultimately a new heaven and a new earth where evil and injustice will one day be no more. And the goodness and justice of our God will reign forever. So... So this is what we, we ask God for with anticipation in this way. And then third thing we do, don't miss it. We share God's gospel with all in need. So we don't just sit back and wring our hands in pious concern while we pray in relative comfort. We work. Micah 6, 8, we do justice. All the things that we see in this passage for the fatherless and the weak, for the afflicted and the destitute. We want to share the good news of God's grace and show the effects of God's love. Ah, oh, see the gospel in this psalm? So if you're not a Christian, uh, maybe you're exploring Christianity, you're visiting with us, like this is the core message of Christianity. All of us in our sin against God are weak and needy and afflicted and destitute Really, all of us are wicked and destined to die. Eternity separated from God. But the good news of the Bible is that God in his mercy has not left us alone. He has come to us. He has pursued us in the person of Jesus. Jesus has died on a cross for our sins so that through faith in him, anyone, anywhere can be rescued from sin and delivered from eternal death to have eternal life. This is the gospel that is the greatest news in a world of injustice and sin and evil. So now, follow this then, in light of God's merciful salvation for us in Christ, now we live to spread the good news of that gospel to others who are in need. We work for justice in the world as we proclaim the good news of the just and merciful God who will save all who trust in him. So that is a quick summary of Psalm 82. And it leads to how we pray. And this is where I want to lead us to pray Psalm 82 during the remainder of our time 
in light of abortion, racism, and persecution. So we'll start with abortion. What I would say is arguably the injustice that poses the most clear and present physical danger to the most people in our world on a daily basis. So around the world, over 42 million abortions occur every year. That's over 100,000 every single day. I don't even know how to fathom that when I look in the faces of my four kids as I am praying over them last night as they're getting into bed. I trust we realize over 50 million of these children have been aborted in our country ever since we, we made it legal. We said it was just in our eyes to take a child's life through abortion in 1973. So we need to plead for God's justice to reign and his mercy to be made known. What I try to do here in your notes is just give some specific ways to help you know, how do I pray? In light of abortion, let's pray for the protection of unborn children and the prevention of abortions being considered right now. I remember last year when we walked through Psalm 139, we were talking about abortion. There was a family who was here. I remember talking to them afterwards. They were about to have an abortion. And because of God's word that day, they decided not to. And that child is alive today as a result. So let's pray that God would do that kind of work, not just in our midst, pray that he would do it in our midst, but in places all across the city like unsuspecting ways across our country. Let's pray for hope and help for mothers with unwanted pregnancies. Now this is where I want to pause and tell a brief story. So last year on this week, we as a church donated an ultrasound machine to the Assist Pregnancy Center here. We work with all kinds of different ministries in Northern Virginia, the district, and in Maryland. But I want you to hear from the leader of that particular pregnancy center. Watch this with me. I'm Leanna. I'm the executive director here at Assist Pregnancy Center, and I have the privilege of serving with a small group of staff and approximately 60 volunteers in providing the medical and counseling and mentoring and educational resources of Assist Pregnancy Center. And a couple months ago, I was visiting with uh, some of the staff at McLean about some of the needs that our ministry has in the coming year. And I'd mentioned offhand that we knew we needed to replace our ultrasound machine in the next year. I didn't think much more of that, um, but some of the team at McLean had remembered that, and as the church was thinking about how they could strategically partner with a life-affirming ministry like Assist, uh, they decided to gift the ministry with funds to help us purchase a brand new ultrasound machine. Ultrasound is so important for the ministry of the center because it's how we're able to equip and empower women with information about their pregnancy so they can see and understand fetal development and what's going on in their body during pregnancy. And that information often helps women understand that they're carrying a real life and a baby and can empower them to make a choice for life. So the fact that McLean wanted to come alongside Assist and empower this ministry with this new resource has been just an incredible um, display of God's kindness and provision in this work. And we're so delighted to have a brand new machine that will allow us to communicate those truths about who God is as the author and designer of life and how each individual life is precious. Back in January, uh, during uh, recognition of Sanctity of Human Life Month, Pastor Platt preached about the hope of the gospel for all those who have considered or impact, been impacted by abortion. And then the church announced this gift to assist of funds for a new ultrasound machine. So we're so grateful for McLean's partnership. We want to thank the congregation for desiring to see lives in our community saved, to see fewer uh, children aborted. We know that approximately 6,000 abortions occur in Northern Virginia annually. And those are children whose lives are lost. Those are women and men whose lives are never the same. And our desire and our heart is to be present and supportive to those individuals as they're making life-impacting decisions. And so we're so grateful to partner with McLean in that work. So we actually received an email from Leanna this week that said, just this past week, we got word that two different women, both pregnant with twins, who had ultrasounds recently in the center, have changed their mind from planning on having abortion to choosing to give life to their children. Both were profoundly impacted by seeing their developing babies on the ultrasound machine and then having the opportunity to talk over the decisions with a caring mentor. So, uh, 
Pastor. So let's, let's pray for hope and help for mothers with unwanted pregnancies. Let's pray for care and provision for children without homes. We want to be there for moms who maybe do have, who do have their children but are not able to care for them. For that, how that's already happened, the foster care system in Northern Virginia, the district, and in Maryland, we have a whole ministry that's focused on that. So if you want more information along those lines, you can talk with pastors at your campus. Megan Sims leads that, megan.sims at mclanebible.org for how you can be involved in that. We're gonna, let's pray for care and provision for children without homes. Let's pray for forgiveness and healing for those who have had abortions or supported abortions, knowing there are many women across our church and others who've had or supported abortions. And finally, let's pray for the end of abortion in our country and other countries around the world. I was talking with a, 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 a husband and wife from Ireland this last week at the conference. Uh, the, the laws still protect children there in Ireland, but there's obviously a lot of work that's going to stop that. And so let's pray that Ireland is able to con- keep those laws and let's pray that abortion would end. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna pray in just a moment. And the way it's gonna work is I'm gonna invite us all across this room and every campus. When, when I kinda set us loose, we're gonna start praying out loud at the same time. Amen. All of us, like thousands of voices across Washington being lifted to God at the same time. When I, I shared coming back from church in South Korea, um, just how I had been particularly encouraged and challenged. Many of our Korean brothers and sisters, as well as brothers and sisters from a variety of different places in the world, said, yeah, that's how we used to pray all the time. So it's kind of new uh, here in some ways uh, for us. Um, so just to be clear, this is not a whisper prayer time. Uh, so, so picture like we're singing. You don't, you don't whisper your songs. So you sing loud. So we're going to pray loud. Okay, we're going to cry out to God and I'm... I know he's pleased with the sound of thousands of voices across Washington right now crying out to him, believing that when we pray, it matters, like that he hears us. So I, I'm guessing for those of you who are not followers of Christ, this might be a, a, a little awkward, um, but obviously, here's what I would encourage you to do. I was just trying to put myself in your shoes. Just observe a people during this time who really believe there's one true God who when we speak to him, he hears us and he answers when we ask according to his word. And, uh, and our prayers actually affect the way he works in the world. It's an awesome thought. And we have the privilege of being a part of, of praying to God, and it matters. So we're going to pray in all these ways in light of abortion. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray. And then I'm going to invite Julie Madbondo to join me up here. So uh, Julie shared last year at this time. Julie's from the Central African Republic. Her husband, uh, Cyrus, is one of our pastors. And last year at this time, Julie shared um, how she had had an abortion and just the journey she walked through from that and how now she is working in our city and in different places around the world uh, to uh, work for life and, uh, and just God's grace all over our sister. And so what I wanna do is, so after you've prayed, we've all prayed out loud for a couple minutes, then Julie will uh, start to pray and that'll be kind of the time I don't want to tell you, you've got to stop at that point. But just at some point before she says amen, we'll kind of bring it to a close. But she's going to pray to represent all of us at that point. So at that point, just join in in your heart with what she is praying. Make sense? All right, let's pray. Right now, I just want to invite us all across this room at all of our campuses. Let's bow our heads and start crying out to God in light of abortion around us. Merciful Father, God of justice, God of love, we bow our hearts before you this morning, remembering the unborn. Father God, we come here, we we look good, we smell good, but Father, deep down inside, I represent many, many, many women in this room and outside of these doors who um, have committed the sin such a huge sin against you of having an abortion, Father God, but you have set me free. 
You have forgiven and have set me free. Father, I pray that the women at the, at the sound of my voice in this room and outside these doors will know that there's forgiveness for them and that you can set them free. Father, I pray for the uh, women today who are contemplating abortion, Father God. Reach their hearts, touch their hearts, Father God. Reach them, Father God. So, Father, I thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you for our pastor who is speaking out about this issue of abortion. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. May your justice reign. Father, forgive us, forgive us as a nation, as a people here in the United States and around the world. Father, we beg for your forgiveness, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Julie. Okay, so now we're going to pray to God, the sovereign king of all, judge of all, merciful savior for all, in light of racism, which I know we would like to think is past us. But I was preaching in Atlanta this last week. I was having a conversation with a pastor who, this was years ago, but less than 10 years ago, he was removed from his church in rural Georgia because he was willing to let an African-American family join the church. He was telling me a story. The lay leaders in the church said to him, if this family tries to join, it'll cause too much division. And went on to say, if you think differently, then you should start to look elsewhere to pastor. So it's extremes like that, as well as the reality. We talked about this last year, that Sundays in churches are one of the most segregated times in our country. Where 95% of white Americans attend prominently. White churches, over 95, 90% of African Americans attend prominently black churches. I'm so thankful for God's grace in the in over 100 different nations and even many more ethnicities together in our church. I praise God for the lack of a majority ethnicity over at Montgomery County uh, right now. Almost no majority ethnicity here at Tyson's. Other campuses growing. So let's, let's pray together. Let's pray for realization and repentance of personal prejudice. Let's pray that God would open each of our eyes to any blind spots we might have, that our pride would not rise up, but humility would be the first thing that comes to our minds and hearts on this issue. Let's pray for increasing harmony and unity across ethnicities in the church and in our country. Let's pray for mercy for those who suffer oppression because of their ethnicity, both here and around the world. Let's pray for leaders to have wisdom and courage in combating unjust systems, structures, principles, or practices. And let's pray for the ultimate end of ethnic discrimination. So we're going to pray now in the same way and across this room and other campuses. And after a couple moments, Art Dean is going to lead us in prayer. So I want to invite Art to join me up here. Art's been a faithful member here at NBC for 13 years uh, as a faithful usher every week. Most people who walk in, though, don't know that they're walking past a, getting a bulletin from a two-star major general who served 31 years in the Army, has been in combat from uh, Vietnam to Desert Storm. He's on his way out here. You're clapping. You still haven't heard it all. Uh, has received numerous awards, including the U.S. Army Distinguished Service Medal, twice, twice. But before you all, it's coming down the front. Before all that, though, this brother was born into a family of 10 kids in the segregated South. He grew up in all black schools, wasn't able to use white drinking fountains or restrooms in his hometown. Um, he was telling me before the service about uh, going to high school, uh, driving past the white high school to go to the black high school where they met in a wood building um, and put their own uh, coal on for heat in the, in the building. Uh, how their gymnasium was dirt floor, not the nice gymnasium over here. And uh, the bathrooms were outside with no running water. So he's lived through racism in all sorts of ways, yet by God's grace, so he came to Christ as a child, uh, a precious mom who... Uh, made him go to church. And, uh, and uh, so Art 
went on to do all the things I just mentioned and more to the point where his hometown eventually brought him back there in the south to give him the key to the city. So, uh, so after we prayed, yeah. after we prayed in light of racism here and around the world, then you'll hear Art praying and he'll close this time together. So let's go for it right now. Let's go before God and pray in light of racism. Let us pray, please. Dear Father, on this very special Martin Luther King Day weekend, we come to you. First of all, Father, we want to say thank you for your love for your son, Jesus. Thank you for all the things you've done for us. And Father, thank you so much for what you did on the cross and how you made a way for all of us who believe that we can live with you forever and ever. Now, Father, we want to thank you also for your example in this area of racial harmony because you saw no color. You saw no ethnic background. You taught us the example that, unfortunately, sin has prevented us from following. Father, I want to thank you for what you did for me as a young boy growing up in, as, as our pastor indicated, in a segregated environment. But, Father, you know, I had a mother and a grandmother and grandfathers who loved you and taught us the example of two wrongs don't make a right. They also taught us that it was important for us to forgive and to move forward. And Father, as we have, as we have grown in society, um, we have lost that kind of love and forgiveness. And I would ask that you would, um, as you have placed in my life, the ability to do my very best to work with everyone based on their ability, as Dr. King said, let's judge people based on their character. To continue to bless us, to continue to guide us. We need a country that is built around equal justice for all, regardless of their station in life, regardless of what they look like. We want everybody to be treated the same. So, Father, use this church, McLean Bible, to be an example, to be a beacon in this lost world that we can show our friends in the greater Washington area, around the United States, and even around the world, how you can operate and you can live together in harmony and you can appreciate each other and treat each other with dignity. Father, we would ask that you do that for us collectively and individually. And we'll forever be careful to praise you and give you the glory if you can give us those kinds of lives that can be an example. We ask this and we give these praises in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. All right. Last thing we're going to pray for is in light of persecution. Before we do, I want to invite a few folks up here that I mentioned uh, are in town this week. Um, so Dr. David Curry, who is president of Open Doors, um, and then a couple of folks who live in areas of the world that are persecuted are going to join me up here. As they're coming up, I would just ask that you not take any photos of them. Uh, there's a one uh, sister in Christ who's here who's not even going to be on stage just because that's even possible. Um, uh, but uh, they, uh, did you guys bring that mic? Oh, perfect. Well done. All right. Uh, so, uh, uh, so Dr. Curry, who's here with Open Doors, has brought them, is hosting them here. And uh, so this is uh, Daniel and Daniel. Uh, so I think you can remember their names. Uh, so, and picture Daniel, Daniel 6. Uh, so there's all kinds of ways you can pray specifically for them by name. Uh, but Daniel... Number one is from uh, northern Iraq, and then number two is from northern Nigeria. And so why don't you share with us, uh, Daniel, just a picture of how I mean, we hear about ISIS. I mean, 
how, what are the effects of ISIS even now in northern Iraq, particularly on those who claim the name of Jesus? Well, first, on 2014, on August, 6th of August, ISIS started to invade all the Christian cities and villages in Mosul, and especially in Nineveh Plain. So in just one night, more than 120,000 Christians fled from their homes, from their towns, and they were looking for peaceful places where they can live. So at that time, the church, we didn't have, you know, the capacity to take care of all of this huge number. So many churches became a shelter for these people, and my church was one of these churches. Uh, in my church, we hosted more than 1,600 people, uh, more than 375 children. And they were living very uh, hard circumstances, very difficult circumstances. They lived in tents for more than three years. They lived in caravans more than three years. So it was very, very difficult for them. And after, as you heard on the news, that ISIS has been defeated, but, well, I think that ISIS exists in two shapes. The first one, militarily, and ISIS has been defeated militarily. There is no people uh, today wearing the black uniform. Of course, I used to, black, I uni black, I used to wear black uniform, but I'm not from with, uh, with them. <laughs> so, militarily, they have been defeated, but mentally, they still exist there. So, ISIS today is an ideology uh, existing among a huge population, especially the people who lived under their control for more than three years. And today, we can see that when we are being refused to go back, our neighbors, they refuse to uh, live with us, and also they are considered us as second-class second citizens. So this is ISIS. We are living there, and it's very dangerous for the Christians. Today, also the Christians, when they return to their homes, to their lands, uh, most of their churches uh, were burned, their houses were destroyed. So today, I really uh, want to say that we need you to stay in solidarity with us, we need your prayers uh, for peace to be achieved in my country. And also, uh, we need your prayers to give another hope for the Christians to stay in Iraq, to rebuild Iraq, to be the salt and the light of that country. Amen. Thank you, Amen. Thank you for that, Daniel. So a very different picture, but strangely similar in some ways. Tell us about northern Nigeria. My name is Daniel Doku Awai. I'm from the northern part of Nigeria. Nigeria has a total of 36 states, including Abuja being the capital. And northern Nigeria has a total of 19 states. Now, we have two uh, extremist groups in northern Nigeria that are really terrorizing the church and ensuring that the church is completely on fire. And those groups are the Boko Haram. The Boko Haram is a group that is geared towards stopping anything that has to do with Western education. And they believe that the source of Western education is the church because education started from the church. And so they want to stop anything that has to do with Western education. And the only way to do that is to silence and completely destroy the presence of Christianity in northern Nigeria. The second group is the Plani Hesmen. Now, these Plani Hesmen are a group that have come out and they are terrorizing the north-central part of Nigeria what they normally do is to either attack late in the evening or in the middle of the night when a complete village that they have known to be a village that is for Christians are sleeping. Then you just hear the sound of raffles from both four corners of the village and the more they take over, the more they set the houses ablaze and the more they kill and maim and destroy life. Many women have been killed, many children including even pregnant women, youth, and all, no matter how old is a person, even if you are 120 years, if those people attack, they will ensure that they eliminate you. So this is briefly uh, what has been happening. So like the Open Doors have published 
Nigeria is number 12 in the, the list of the countries that are persecuted because thousands upon thousands of Christians have been killed. And this started right from the first election riot in 2011 down through till death. These activities are complete, continually going on. The government will always say that they have brought an end to this, but I tell you this is not true. It's a lie. These activities are still going on alive, are dying, not because we have done anything evil, but because we have chosen to side with Christ. Hmm. Like villages in northern Nigeria being attacked today, like by name, last night, one that Daniel mentioned earlier. Like, remember Hebrews 13.3. This is a direct command to every follower of Christ in this room. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated. The implication is as you are being mistreated with them since you also are in the body. Like, are these... Are our brothers and sisters around the world in your prayers on a continual basis? We are in the body with them. They're our family. We pray for them. We pray for them. We do not turn a deaf ear to our persecuted brothers and sisters in the world and go on in the middle of freedom that we have, which we praise God for, and not remember them. So, and we, we were talking earlier, Dr. Curry said, the only way to stop persecution real way to stop persecution is stop proclaiming Christ. And that's not an option for our brothers and sisters around the world. So how do we pray? We pray for persecuted believers that they would hold fast to God's love for them and the hope God gives to them. The Holy Spirit would strengthen them and their families. We pray for their boldness in sharing the gospel amidst persecution. It's what early church prayed in Acts 4. Consider these threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. I mean, pray for persecutors that they would see Christ and the saints they are persecuting and be saved. When, I, why don't we, at some point in the next couple of minutes, just pray that and cry out for God to do a Saul-like work in some persecutor like today and bring somebody who's persecuting Christians to faith in Christ and turn them into a proclaimer of the grace of God in the gospel. Like, let's pray believing that God hears that and God has power to answer that like right now. Pray they would see Christ and the saints they're persecuting you say that they would be brought to justice. So, uh, so I want to invite us to pray right now for our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world in the same way we have uh, just in the next couple minutes. And then uh, Daniel from Nigeria is going to close this time in prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, we thank you. For your word teaches us in the book of Hebrews that our struggle against sins have not led us to the point of shedding our own blood for our sin. Our Lord Jesus Christ came to this world and gave his life. And indeed, according to the book of Isaiah, by his wounds, we are healed. Father, help us. Help us that this healing will be complete in our life. That if we are to go on living, cause it that we live in order for your name to be glorified. If we are to go on living, help us to live so that the propagation of your gospel against all odds, in whatever means, cannot be deterred. You says we shall preach in season when people want to hear it. Out of season when people hate it. Many Christians in 50 countries of the world are hated not because they have done something evil but because they have decided to stand by you. Lord, we pray that whatever thing that is needed for your gospel to continue to be propagated, 
Lord, I desire that you touch the hearts that are seated here. Though they are not facing physical persecution, yet they are part of the one family of God. The Bible says you have destroyed the two walls that divide and had made one solid wall. That today in Christ we are one. So Father, help them to identify with us and help them to also ensure that they stand firm in their faith with you till we meet to part no more with you. Thank you, Father. We believe you continue to protect us even as we continue to propagate your good news because that is the only thing that you have left for us and nothing more aside that. For in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. So, why? Why do we pray like this? Like, why do we set aside time in a worship gathering like this? And I, all the more in the days to come, just to pray because, uh, well, on these issues of injustice, and obviously there are so many others, but we know that the answer is not ultimately political. Amen. Like, yes, we want to be wise on that level on these issues and all, all sorts of others, but our answer is ultimately found in God. We pray to God. Our hope is found in God and the gospel. And we know that ultimately these things will not come to an end. Injustice will not come to an end until Jesus comes back. And so we pray. Our consummate prayer is Revelation 22. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Come quickly. So, God, may it be so. God, help us in our day to work for justice to show your mercy and to proclaim your gospel. Amen. And God, help us to work with our eyes set on the sky, Amen. looking forward to the day when, Jesus, you shall return. Amen. And persecution will not have the last word. And racism will not have the last word. And abortion will not have the last word. Sin and injustice and evil and death will not have the last word. Jesus, you will have the last word. You are our hope. You are our king. And we praise and pray to you. And we pray that you would use us, make us the church you desire for us to be in this day until that day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today on Radical with David Platt. If you'd like to watch today's full sermon or download the free discussion questions, you can do all that and more at our website, Radical.net. And if you happen to be in the Washington, D.C. area and would like to hear David in person, please make plans to visit McLean Bible Church, where David serves as teaching pastor. You can learn more about McLean and find a campus near you at McLeanBible.org. And as we near closer to April 26th, we just want to remind you again that registration for Secret Church 19 is open, so we hope you will make plans to join us, whether it's in Washington, D.C. live that night on April 26th or via the live simulcast from anywhere in the world. Join us for Secret Church 19, prayer, fasting, and the pursuit of God. It is a night that you don't want to miss. You can learn more and register at secretchurch.org. Well, I'm your host, Thomas Bowen, and until next time, join us at Radical.net.